Welcome to a faith-based conversation for blending stepfamilies. I'm your host, Jen Rogers. Each week, join me to learn best practices to blending your family and leaving an impactful legacy for your blend. Hey there, everybody. Jen Rogers, episode number four. This week's topic is fulfilling your calling in your stepfamily. Paul urges us in Ephesians 4 to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, if you are in a situation where you're dealing with a high conflict ex-spouse, or you have teenagers, you might be just a little bit skeptical of this calling. However, much of the experience parents have in these situations, there are a lot of similarities there. And so I think it's very important that we take the opportunity to remember what this is all about. We have these kids, biological or step for a short window of time to invest into them, to be stewards of who they are becoming in God's kingdom. It's an awesome responsibility. And I think it really helps when we stay connected to the vision of this is the direction that we're going. Because this thing that's happening right now, this struggle that I have, it's not going to be this way all of my life. And as I grow, as I learn, as I practice new things, I'll come up with new strategies to respond in a way that is honoring this calling of step parenting in my blend. Let's go ahead and break this down. In the context of walking worthy of the calling that you have received, if you're in a blend, then that is part of your calling. Now, some days, You may be wondering, how is it that you got here? And there are other days where you may just want to be done with your blended chaos. Yet the callings that we receive from our Heavenly Father are not always easy, are they? In fact, I dare say that for me, this is the most challenging call for me personally, being a stepmom. It's really quite different from being a mom. And I'll be the first to tell you, well... Probably my stepkids beat me to the punch on this one already, but I just simply haven't gotten this right for a long time. And that's why I'm passionate about sharing with you in a podcast medium and through coaching programs and through blog posts and through notes of encouragement that this is really, really a tough calling. And the reason for that, I believe, is because the resources out there are slim. And understanding that we can apply scriptural principles to our blend is a critical understanding. It's the critical piece for us to move forward in ways that honor and respect our families. So if I had this experience when I first started I know that it would have been very different. So if you're brand new to blending, I urge you to subscribe to this podcast and I urge you to pray and I urge you to keep practicing being an amazing step parent 
because the role, while tough, there are lots of rewards as well. And there's a lot for you to learn personally about yourself. So in the tough stuff, I'm just going to encourage you to hang in there. It's going to be okay. It's not going to stay this way for an extended period of time. There are things that you can do when you choose to make choices aligned with biblical scripture and principles when you integrate into your blended family. So regardless of the circumstances, our calling, it actually remains the same. We are called to be step parents. We are called to be a part of the blended family. We are called to be a kid in the step family. That is what God has for us right now. And oftentimes we spend a lot of time spinning our wheels in anxiety, asking God, why, why is it like this? And what I've learned and what I am still learning is that the real question is, God, what do you have for me in this? My husband and I entered marriage naive about step parenting. We figured that we'd figure it out. Boy, were we wrong. I mean, at least initially, we're six, a little over six years in now, and we have a much deeper understanding about the step family complexities. How about you? Where are you in the journey? Are you brand new? Are you entering that famous threshold that if you make it two years, you're going to make it for a long time? Or are you farther along in your journey and experiencing some challenges that you just simply wish would change? Well, wishing isn't going to make it go away. (laughs) Wishing isn't going to make you feel better. In fact, the opposite may be true. Uh, You may lament over what you wish could be instead of taking positive steps forward to how you want your blend to be. And I'll talk more about that as we get, as we work our way through the program here. So I'll tell you what, something that fascinates me, I'm fascinated and I'm grateful for this truth that I married my soulmate. And when Bill and I are by ourselves without the kids, it's really easy to stay true to our commitment to enjoy our marriage. It's more than just a basic math equation of less people equals less conflict because we understand the precious gift of this blessing. So our initial experiences with combining our families Well, there were a lot of times that it caused me to question this gift. Like, did I really get this right? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I felt like I was failing all the time. So I certainly was not fascinated in the beginning. I was shocked or uprooted. I questioned my capabilities. I was fearful that everything that I had treasured about my second marriage was overshadowed by the complexities and sorrows of blending. I overlooked the spiritual aspects and the related spiritual warfare of bringing two families together. So I didn't really embrace this step parenting role as a calling. I didn't see it that way. So I couldn't embrace it because it just wasn't there for me. And it took some time before I began to unearth that this tsunami of negative emotions and disappointments that I experienced were laden with fear. Yet scripture says in Psalm 56, verse three, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. If you're in a rough patch right now, may I invite you to put your trust in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
How do we do that? How do we, what does it look like when we build trust in our blended families? Well, I think the first step is that we identify some key components of building trust. This is not unique to step families. The challenge may be greater and the time that it takes will be longer, but this is not unique to you if you are in a blend. Building trust is critical to a team's success. So if you're in the corporate world and you lead people, you understand that it's important to get all of the team members on the same program. So if you're a basketball fan and you draw out the plays on that white on wipe off board, the coach is there on the bench and he's got the huddle, everybody together, he's going to be talking about the plays. Yet at this crucial juncture, when they're in the game, they aren't practicing those plays. Those plays are for real. It's time to go out on the court and demonstrate the things that we've been practicing. So here are some things that we can practice to build this trust, to get these key components down. And then in a little while, I'll talk about some actual action steps that we can take, some tangible things that we can do that bring more joy and more teamwork and more trust and more intimacy into our blend. The first key component of building trust is the power of your word. Let's think about that for a minute. Why is your word so powerful? Why is your spouse's word so powerful? Well, because it sets you up for what you have already experienced, right? So when I say I'm going to do X, something that I'm committing to my husband, it's really important that I follow through on that because that does build trust. Trust that my word is true. Our words are so important and believe me, our children are listening. <laughs> they are listening intently to understand and to figure out if they actually can trust you. Do you do what you say? Do you follow through? And it really shouldn't surprise us the power of words because we are sons and daughters of the king. And his word spoke everything into being. Therefore, we also have that responsibility, that authority, that power to speak things into being. Now, this isn't some woo-woo stuff. This is scriptural, okay? This is that we have the mindset of Christ, that we as sons and daughters have this ability within us to create and so I want to ask you if there is something that you are longing for in your blended family, how could you create it? Ask your brain to work on that. How best could you move from where you are to where you want to be? And where is it that you want to be? These are conversations for you and your partner to have together so that you can craft a vision and a direction, a strategic plan, if you will, in the leadership business world sense to know that, hey, I'm moving from where we are stuck in this rut 
to this visionary place where we actually are blended together well. That doesn't mean we aren't going to have any issues. That doesn't mean that we aren't going to fight. That doesn't mean that we won't be disappointed. But it does mean that we are going to begin to build this unique family dynamic within our blend. And we're moving on a trajectory towards greatness in our blend. So I want you to take a moment right now. If you're sitting still, if you're driving in the car, please keep your eyes open. But if you are in a position where you can just relax and close your eyes for a minute and, and just take a nice inhale and exhale and think about what one thing would really have this pop for you in your blended family. Please take a moment. All right, come back to me. Come back to me. Please come back to me. (laughs) Thank you. I wonder what you were feeling and how your body responded as you were focusing on something that was important to you for your blend. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as we go to the next component of building trust. So we've talked about the power of your word. The next thing is communication. Now, I know that if you have um, done any studying at all in relation to, well, shoot, I don't know, anything, really. <laughs> I'm just I was trying to narrow it down, and there's so much that comes to mind. I, I'm having trouble narrowing it down. So communication is a key component of trust, and we have lots of communication experiences, and we have lots of opportunities to practice our communication skills, to read books about it, to go to Toastmasters and learn how to present in front of a group, to have that parental conversation with your kid where you get down on one knee so you can talk to your kiddo eye level to eye level. Communication involves sending and receiving information. So the, the real question is, are you willing to listen? Because that's such a critical component of communication, listening, so that you can truly understand what it is that is going on with the person you're having the conversation with. And communication, I'm sure that many of you are familiar with numbers thrown out there as far as the percentage of communication that is nonverbal versus verbal. And there were so many numbers that I thought, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take a quick look here and research what are the actual numbers? And uh, the the numbers are this. This is the breakdown that I found from Psychology Today, Jeff Thompson, PhD, uh, from 2011. And I'm sure that not much has changed uh, from, from his writing. So while there's debate about the percentages of verbal or nonverbal, there are pretty much three categories that he indicates that they fall into. 55% of communication is your body language. 38% is your tone of voice. And 7% are the actual words. Again, 38% is your tone. 7% is the actual words. And the rest of it, the 55% is body language. Now, while we know that these percentages are not exact, we know they're in the ballpark. And the main point here is that it is important to focus on 
the nonverbal communication that we're sending to people in our blend. So let's back up the bus a minute and say, when we first come together to integrate, there's not a whole lot of knowledge between the new parent entering in and the step kiddos that are entering in. And it just depends on how long you were dating before you got married. And even if you were dating for quite some time before you got married, the fact that you actually get married and move in together, it changes everything. Even if you had a great connection before you got married, when you all move in together, it changes everything. So this nonverbal communication, things like looking directly eyeball to eyeball to the person with whom you're speaking, or not having your phone in your hand and scrolling through Facebook as you're half listening, or walking out of the room as somebody's answering a question. Those nonverbals indicate the degree to which you are actually paying attention. All right, component number three. We've talked about the power of your word and the power of communication is a key component of building trust in your blend. Next up is consistency. So there's really no one and done here. You don't build trust in a moment. You build trust moment by moment. And there's definitely a difference there. So again, I want to say that again. You don't build trust in a moment. You build trust moment by moment. So it occurs over time in relationship. Consistency. An expression that I love is this for the fourth component of building trust is teamwork makes the dream work. I absolutely love that expression. And I giggle a little bit inside when I hear my daughter saying that to her, to her littles that are five and under teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) So for step families, it's critical for the step couple to be unified and to demonstrate trust with each other by their interactions. While we all know it's part of growing up for kids to run from one parent to the other when the first parent that they talk to doesn't give them what they want, this is particularly challenging in step families when kiddos pit one household against another. So the step couple in the home, it's, it's so important that there is oneness there, that parenting decisions are made together for all of your kiddos. Now, there are lots of experts out there that will tell you that when you're the biological parent, you take the lead in your home with your stepkids. And when you're the step parent, you take the back seat, that you're not the disciplinarian, for example, that the biological parent is. And I think there's really good advice out there on that. And from my own personal experience, I would have to agree with that, that yes, you make decisions together, but as a step parent, you support the biological parent and the decisions or the challenges that you're experiencing, you take those conversations outside of the kiddos and you pre-decide in advance the general tenor and the direction, again, the direction that you're going. And this goes right back to that vision, again, casting a vision for your blended family aligned with biblical principles. That's what I'm all about. It will definitely change your life. So what can you do 
when your kiddos give you feedback that doesn't feel so good, doesn't sound so good, isn't respectful, is the pitting one house against another. They might say, we can do that at mom's house, or I hate being here. I just can't wait to go back to dad's where I get to do what I want to do in the way I want to do it and when I want to do it. And I don't have anybody telling me what the rules are. Well, you could respond. It's okay for you to feel that way right now, but let's focus on working together. So it's this continual reorienting to, I hear what you're saying. I, I sense you have some emotional stress around this situation, yet <clears throat> it is okay that you feel that way right now. This is what we're doing next. And more about this in a moment as we move to what trust in action looks like. You may be saying to yourself, it's just too hard, Jen. It's this step parenting thing. I, I just, it's too big for me. There, there are so many things that um, just don't go well, whether it's my because of my choosing or because of what I'm experiencing from somebody else in this relationship. It's just too great a thing for me to do. And I would say to you that Mother Teresa has a message for us all here. And she would say... Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Well, I'm competitive by nature, so part of me wants to say, but I can do great things. (laughs) But it is really similar to building trust, is it not? That it's one small thing at a time. And so in your role as a parent, your great thing is that you get to change a a generation, that you can be the one who empowers your kids and teaches them how to prevent re-divorce, that you can demonstrate to them on a daily basis of how you invest in your marriage. You, you have such a great opportunity here. You're such a great influence. So let's just do small things with great love. I think we can start there. And before we really realize it, those small things will turn into great things and have great impact. Trust in action. Earlier, we talked about communication, and I dare say it's a foundational piece for building trust. I mean, if we can't talk to each other, what's the point? Then we, we, what can we do? If we cannot communicate in a way where we can understand one another, then there's nothing in that relationship. So here are some things, some ways that you can build trust and what it might look like. Uh, you could have a family huddle. So for us, this is the Sunday family huddle. And it's Sunday because we have our custody schedule is every other week. So that Sunday afternoon when the kids come, we have the family huddle and we do it in the kitchen. We have these huge whiteboards in the kitchen because it's it's the hub of the house, right? Everybody's in the kitchen a lot of the time. And so we just talk about what our schedules are going to look like. We set expectations for the week. So our kids will let us know if there's a band practice, for example, if there's an event that they'd like to do with kids, if there's something going on with youth group, any of those things, they lay it out and put it up on the board that this is what my week looks like. And we do the same. 
we let our kids know, hey, this is what's going on for us us this week because they weren't part of the interaction in the last week. So undoubtedly, there's some communications that they miss because they simply weren't present and you don't know what you don't know. So it's a great way, one small thing at a time, to have this family huddle. Hey, it's nice to see you. I'm glad that you're here this week. Uh, What kind of stuff do you have going on? Some things that you can ask in the huddle is checking in to see if there are any special projects. So if they're working on something for school and it started last week and it's turned in this week, that that would be a great example of a special project. Or if they have a musical event, any of those kind of things, check for any special projects. And then ask, is there anything that you're looking forward to this week? Or are there any concerns that you have? Do you have tests coming up? Do you have a date? What's going on? So the power of this conversation is that you're setting everything back up as you also settle in. And it's an opportunity to re-engage and catch up. And when you share what's going on for the week and for us, when we post it on the board, it serves as our reminder and it really orients our time together. And it's something we can refer to without having to ask the same questions repeatedly. And I think this is powerful because I, if I ask stepkids, what is one of the things that's really kind of annoying about this back and forth from one house to another? It probably would be this, that I say the same thing so many times. You ask me, dad asked me, mom asked me, stepdad asked me. And it just gets old answering the same question over and over again. So condensing it to a one-time, hey, this is what's going on, and then looking at that board just to stay aware works really well. You can also ask if there's anything that they're carrying over from their mom or dads that they want us to know about. You can also ask if there's anything that you drop the ball on and that they want you to be aware of. Like, did you leave taking something with you that you needed to talk to us about? Was there something going on? Um, And this is really a good time to give a couple brief reminders that acknowledge that your kids are transitioning. What we've learned, what our experience has been that in the first couple of days, especially when they were younger and newer into this blending, that the first couple of days were really tough uh, and, uh, for me personally, it, it, it was dark. It felt dark. It did not feel good. And it felt like a lot of work and those feelings represented some of the reality. And some of it was probably just me, um, being sensitive to a sense of feeling rejected in that transition period. But I'll tell you, it does get easier as the norms come into play it gets better. So again, if you're right in the thick of it, it, it's going to be okay. Let's make steps today. This is the first step. If this is the first time that you've listened to the podcast, you are in the right place to be reminded that it is going to be okay. Your kid is not going to be in this age group forever. Okay. They're going to transition out and your confidence and authority and responsibility and experience and just joy over actually making progress in your blend, it's going to grow. I promise you, it's going to grow. 
it takes a decision for us to invest in our step families. And while it may be different than what we anticipated, uh, what isn't different than what we anticipate? <laughs> How many things in your life actually go according to plan? For me, I'm probably not that many. And I dare say probably not that many for you either. Uh, it's, it's a matter of our adaptability, right? What a great word for step families, being adaptable. I will mention that when we moved to a new home a couple years ago, there was another adjustment period as we integrated our norms into the home layout. So this, this is something that may um, hit step families a little bit, I don't know, stronger than other families. But when there is a major adjustment in the home, it does take a little while to get used to it. I'll give you a very simple example with huge implications. That would be when you have a new baby. So when a new baby comes and you have kids that are going back and forth every other week or every few days, whatever it is, they don't have that consistency that we talked about being a component of building trust. They don't have that consistency. And so sometimes there can be this feeling of being left out, right? That I'm missing out because I'm not here all the time. And so those hurdles will, they'll ebb and flow, but something just to be aware of that major transitions, major life changes, job changes, school changes, all of those things, uh, those adjustments may take just a little bit longer. Another specific strategy, something that you can do to build trust is to do something fun. There's so much stress in transitioning homes. What can you do to elevate the mood? Well, just do something fun together. Do you like to, uh, are, are, you, are you active in sports? Do you like to play baseball? Do you like to go work out at the gym? Uh, do you like to walk the dogs? What is it that you can do? Something that's fun for you guys to do together. And a, a really good strategy in this fun planning is to have the kids join in. So even if you have toddlers, they can help plan by you offering a couple different options. So do you want to play with this or would you like to go do this thing over here and let them choose? And that helps build the trust in your blended family. Another thing that you can do, an action that you can take to build trust is to do small acts of kindness. Pay attention to what your stepkids value. What kind of things do they enjoy? Are they an artist? Perhaps you could pick out a sketchbook for them. Or perhaps it's just giving them a compliment. Maybe it's making their lunch before you, they go to school. It could be any number of small acts of kindness, but those small acts build trust. Next Tactic, action item, pray together. A family that prays together stays together. And finally, one last important strategy to build trust is to create a new shared step family experience. A new tradi a tradition, if you will. What is it that you guys can do together that none of you have done outside of this family structure? Come up with something that you can do, and it really you can tie that into it being something fun that you like to do. But build a few new traditions 
into your step family unit and you will be amazed at how that builds trust. All right, going way back to the beginning when we talked about Paul urging us in Ephesians 4 to walk worthy of the calling that we have been given. These are steps that you can take to walk worthy of the call. Trust, communication, intimacy, awareness, all of these things are ways and topics that we've shared today about how we can build trust in our blend. Now go out there and do something fun with your step family. And before you go, please hit the like and subscribe button below so that I can get your feedback and continue to meet with you once a week. New podcast releases on Thursday, drops in the box. Uh, thank you so much. I'm Jen Rogers, Step Mama Advocate and Blended Family Coach. Have a great day.